0: to episode 27, chapter 1 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Josh
1: Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow
0: today in the everyday moments of life. Josh Larson is the co-host of the radio show and podcast Film Spotting, author of Movies Are Prayers, and editor and film critic at Think Christian a website exploring faith and pop culture. He's been writing and speaking about movies professionally for more than two decades. Josh's career began in the newspaper business, where he started out as a beat reporter for a weekly community newspaper and went on to become the film critic for the Chicago-based Sun-Times Media for more than 10 years. In 2011, he joined the Christian Media Landscape as editor of Think Christian and in 2012, he joined the long running weekly podcast Film Spotting, aired on WBEZ in Chicago.
1: In his book, Movies Are Prayers, Josh Larson takes a look at the value of movies for understanding who we are as human beings. These stories on the screen give a voice to our deepest longings and desires. We watch movies like Citizen Kane as a man on his deathbed says, Rosebud, and are instantly reminded of the desire we all have for the safety and security we used to have when we were kids, when the chaos, filth, and sin of our adult lives leaves us feeling unfulfilled and meaningless. Or we watch movies like Inside Out and find ourselves appreciating the complexity and wide range of emotions we feel but sometimes struggle to understand. As disciples of Christ and people called to make disciples of all nations, understanding those deepest longings and desires can be a valuable tool for spiritual growth and helping others grow as well. And movies can help us understand them in ways
0: we never have before. All right, Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. It's good to talk with you today. Uh, We're going to be talking about a topic that's really fascinating and one that Josh and I have often talked about, but I really didn't think that somebody had written an entire book on, so I was really excited to come across your work, and uh, (laughs) so I think we're going to have some really cool conversation here. But the topic we're going to be talking about is how movies are prayers. Now, for some people, I think that probably just blew their minds, and so that seems a little (laughs) bit like a weird thing that that could even be possible. So maybe the best place for us to start would just be to talk about like where did this book come from and where did this idea that movies could be prayers come from?
2: I think it came from sitting in theaters and realizing here and there that what I was experiencing somehow lined up or mirrored or just plain had the same vibe as prayers that I had participated in as well, either corporate prayers in church or just prayers of my own. And some of the narratives that we see in film are expressing the same things that I believe we we do express in prayer. And I kind of, in the book, that's why I break them down to different categories of prayer, um, from prayers of praise to prayers of confession, uh, prayers of yearning, anger. These are all things, you know, we think about we can think right away of some prayers we've personally offered, or even, again, ones in church that maybe fall in those categories. But we can also probably pretty quickly, and this is what I experienced, think about movies that seem to be doing the same thing. And in a lot of cases, it's unintentional. You know, that this is not necessarily what the people involved would have said they were doing uh, on a very specific level, but on a, a larger scheme of things, if their movie is expressing a yearning about what does it mean to be in this place? Uh, what's my role here? What's my purpose? Those are the sorts of yearning prayers that we offer to God a lot. And similarly, narratives of confession work similarly. So, yeah, it was just, you know, feeling that while I was watching a film and saying, wow, this is, th- this seems similar to what I've experienced in church, and then kind of taking it on as a project and saying, if I, if I looked for this more intentionally, where might I find it?
0: Mm-hmm. So what constitutes a prayer for you then? What, what do you think of?
2: You know, it's, for me, it's a very broad sense of what prayer can be that undergirds this project. And it's really the argument that I make, which is essentially an atheist can pray. Um, And again, it's whenever a human being asks that sort of question, what is this place? Why am I here? Um, And we all do that, you know, and and as a Christian, I believe that when an, an atheist might be offering those sorts of wonderings, um... God's listening. God hears those, and you've got that two-way communication going right there. So, so I really start with a very broad understanding of prayer. I think the chapter on yearning is the one that is the allows for the biggest tent because it probably is the one that just about everyone offers. Um, things like confession are maybe a little more specific, or certainly prayers of obedience, which is another trap chapter. That's something that. Uh, only committed Christians probably would participate in. Um, so yeah, there's I kind of run the gamut in the book from that broad understanding of it being a, a human expressions to also these very particular prayers that Christians would offer.
0: Yeah, I really like that. Um, it seems counterintuitive that atheists can pray, but one of the things we like, especially when we look at the Christian life through a discipleship lens— instead of a maybe a more evangelistic, uh, you get saved, and so it's, it's really more of like a binary decision. Um, we tend to think that discipleship happens well before you actually make that decision to follow Christ or make Jesus Lord of your life. And so mm. as we begin to engage with people, we can begin to make disciples in that sense. And so um, I really do like the idea that atheists can pray because it, it wraps them up in the story of God, the narrative that's playing out, which you talk about a lot in the book, and you've organized it around, and they're organized, they're sort of subsumed into this paradigm of God's world, e- even if they don't acknowledge it themselves. So I sure. really think that's a really powerful point there that's, um, that, might again, might make some people un- feel uncomfortable, but I think it's important to recognize uh, the longings that, that, that are there in their
2: hearts. Yeah, and I like that description of discipleship, too, because it allows that, you know— what you're essentially saying is the discipleship can begin in that very early wondering, in those questions being asked, um, and, and I think that's a more generous and gracious way to think about it than to say, "Well, prayer is something you can only do once you've hit these benchmarks." Um, I don't know that that I don't know that we see necessarily models of that in the Bible, even uh, that you're only allowed to pray after a certain point. A lot of times, prayer is where it starts um, for figures in the Bible, and I think um, in our lives
1: yeah that's a really good point. so many people say that the only prayer that God hears first is the sinner's prayer, and after that you're mm-hmm. all good but <laughs> yeah i've seen I've seen a lot of people make prayers that uh God answers as a way to bring them closer to the point where they do finally accept him as the one around whom the entire universe revolves
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah,
1: it's not just this uh you have to you have to get right with God before you can, you can pray. So yeah, I really enjoy that too.
0: Yeah, so it's really cool that movies then become an expression of these longings, the, these expressions of these various emotions that we have, um, but, but it, I think it's pretty unique that you connected this to movies, and you're, you're a film critic, and, and your life very much revolves around movies. Where did your love
2: of movies uh, come from? Probably uh, it was just being raised in a movie-loving house (laughs) where uh, film was something that was always around. Um, We would go to movies a lot as a family. As a matter of fact, family vacations often would involve taking a night to go see a movie that would would have been playing back at home anyway, but it was just part of what we did together and and we liked it so much. So I think that's probably where it started. And then, you know, just having, for whatever reason, um, a particular connection to the movie going experience. I'm just uh, a movie nerd and really at a young age, got a particular thrill, I, you know, my sisters still go to a lot of movies and, and love movies, but they certainly didn't get bit as hard as I did by, um, growing up in the same household. So yeah, it's a combination of that, um, that exposure. And I also think, you know, growing up in a Christian household and also one that had a unique, um, at least for what I saw around me, a unique approach to film as something that was to be enjoyed and celebrated. And certainly, um, you know, there, there needed to be um, some sort of guideline set and discernment we needed to partake of, but we weren't ever afraid of movies growing up. And I think that just posture made it much easier for me to see the potential and, and to explore them more and, and kind of just to get deeper and deeper into film as I got older. So in
1: your introduction, uh, you mentioned that a lot of Christians take an approach to watching movies that's kind of like counting up the number of swear words that are in it, and if it's below a certain threshold, we can go see it. <laughs> um, that's, at least not just the swear words, but that's kind of similar to uh, my experience growing up, and then okay. really just my picture of of what Christian Christians in general thought movies were like. And so I find it really... Uh, it's really cool that you have this different experience with your family. Um, how is it then that, as Christians, we should uh, even view this idea of movies as prayers? Like, how can we how can we kind of wrap our heads around that, and maybe shake ourselves out of the preconceived ideas that we had growing up?
2: Sure. And, you know, it's I like to talk about in terms of a posture that we take towards not just movies, but towards art in general. And it really is a reorientation from a posture of defensiveness and fear and protection um, to a posture of grace and generosity and curiosity and appreciation. And that doesn't mean we throw discernment out the window. Like I said, my parents had rules for me as well, what I could and couldn't see growing up. Um, but we didn't start from worrying about what the movies might do to us. Um, and I think that's the the change in posture that's a more, it's just more helpful for Christians when engaging in the arts in general. I also think it's more bu- more biblical, to be honest with you, because if we look at the cultural mandate we get in Genesis, it's very positive, you know? It's it's very much that God has created this earth for us to steward, to enjoy, to cultivate, to participate in. Um, now the catch of course is that then the fall happens. And so it's going to look differently post-fall than it does pre-fall but i feel like we've almost swung sometimes the other way where post fall we are we've just thrown out the cultivation possibility um, and the appreciation possibility and certainly it's a more difficult job now because we do have to do that discerning but i still think we could start from a place saying that um, culture is good uh it's a gift from god he has charged us with stewarding it with cultivating it And it is better to do that from a place of appreciation and positivity, pointing out where the fall has seeped in when appropriate, um, but at least starting from that direction rather than kind of circling the wagons immediately. What do movies represent for
0: you? Whatever views you once had, I hope that our conversation with Josh Larson has gifted you with a new perspective on how to watch movies. I hope you've come away from this chapter with a new understanding for what movies can be. All good literature seeks to communicate something profound about the human experience. And because movies engage so many of our senses, they have a unique way of catching us up in the experience of a story. And these experiences can help us see and feel the prayers, the deep longings and desires of the filmmakers. So I hope that today, you have been challenged to look at movies differently. And instead of seeing them as simply good or bad, Christian or non-Christian, you instead look at them with a new sense of grace and curiosity for the prayers they may be offering.
1: How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day, but we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And We have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Josh and his work, check out LarsonOnFilm.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Josh unpacks how movies become prayers. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to DailyGrowthDiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.